0: T'was the night before Christmas at the North Pole. The wind is gusty, the air dry as coal. No auroras this high, no land, only ice. The landscape is vast, views of the stars are quite nice. No sun to be seen this time of year. Perfect weather for Santa, his elves, and reindeer. As Santa embarks on this momentous night, NORAD fighter jets will follow his flight. The elves in control, eyes fixed on the screen, mapping Santa's route with a tech-savvy sheen. So join us, dear listeners, on this frosty night as we journey to the pole where the North Star shines bright. We'll learn of conditions at the top of the world. NORAD's tracking secrets also unfurled. So grab your hot cocoa and snuggle up near, for tales of the North Pole are soon what you'll hear. Gather your friends both near and afar. Sit back and enjoy this special Off the Radar. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much, much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill,
0: patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle, find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Eileen Whalen, thank you for being on the podcast. Off the radar, thank you so much. I'm glad to have you here. We had Brian on a few weeks ago, so I'm thrilled that you were able to hop on today.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited. For those who don't know, you're a morning meteorologist at WJLA in Washington, D.C., where you've been for a long time, and you also fill in hosting the show as well, our weather show, uh, the National Weather Death. How long have you been at WJLA?
2: So I just celebrated my 12-year anniversary on December 5th, which is so crazy to me. And it's really cool because I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C., and I grew up watching uh, ABC 7. And so to be working in my hometown market is just incredible. And I was, you know, have wanted to do weather since I was young, probably like six years old. So it's really cool. I really feel like I'm, you know, living out my childhood dream. So do you work with anyone that you watched as a child? Yes. Can I actually say I did? Maybe not child, but I did watch Brian Van no. back when I was in high school. I know. And he hates when I tell him that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so but I watched, I mean, if you're familiar with anybody in the D.C. area, I mean, Sam Ford, Doug Hill, Bob Ryan, who are legendary meteorologists um, in the Washington area, um, worked alongside both of them, you know, from a meteorologist perspective, like Sue Palka, Veronica Johnson you know, big names um, in the in the market. So I, I feel very honored to have had the opportunity to work alongside some of the greats.
0: Oh, that's funny. Brian has the magical ability not to age. So that's surprising, but also I get it because I remember watching him 20 years ago when I was in the Washington, D.C. area. I know, and Brian really is one of those
2: people. I'm like, what is your secret? Because he just has such a youthful, like jolly um look and personality. And it's just perfect. I I love my co-workers, which is always good, especially in this business.
0: It's good and like necessary for survival and getting <laughs> up at two o'clock in the morning and going to work thousand percent. So when I worked in Baltimore we I think we must have had similar shifts because we would run into each other at live shots sometimes and I would I remember seeing you at the um the Gaylord Resort the you know the big ice sculpture thing they do there and I remember seeing you doing live shots there and driving that like giant storm tracker. (laughs) Oh my gosh before
2: it was a it was a Hummer oh my gosh that thing was a tank uh, it looks yeah, tiny I
0: getting out of it.
2: <laughs> well, how, oh my gosh, that must have been like
0: a good 10 or 12 years ago. Wow. Because how long were you in Baltimore? I started there in 2010 and I left in 2015. Okay. At the yeah. at Fox 45. I was yeah. at the ABC affiliate before that. So, but um, yeah, the live shot thing. That was always fun and interesting. I know. Okay. So, you're a mom now, right? Yes. My son,
2: Charlie, is just about to be three. Oh, what a fun age. He is so much fun. He's just getting me like more excited about just everything. First of all, he loved, like we love talking about the weather. And I've even showed him the radar so that when it's like raining, we like look at the radar and he goes, it's rain, it's rain, it's wet. So he knows we can't go outside, but he's definitely excited. And then with the holidays coming up, I'm super excited. Excited and I feel like he finally gets
0: it this year. Does Are you guys going to track Santa on NORAD? D- did you do that as a kid?
2: I did, and I want to do it with him as well. I mean, so cool that we can actually track Santa
0: or he is around the globe. Um, okay, so this week on Off the Radar, it's all about the holidays. It's all about the North Pole. It's all about Christmas and Santa. And so part of what I interviewed someone about was the North Pole and like weather conditions at the North Pole and what it's like. Cause you know, we all think of the North Pole as like this place, this land where Santa lives, but there's no land there. It's ice. So I, I'm gonna talk to an expert. His name is Walt Meyer. He works with the National Snow and Ice Data Center. And uh, something interesting that we talk about is the fact that there's actually two North Poles. Did you know this? There are. Wait, two North Poles? I knew there was a North Pole and a South Pole, but not two North Poles. So one is the geographical North Pole, one is the magnetic North Pole, but they're not in the same spot. They're like a couple hundred miles apart. So that's pretty fascinating. That is really fascinating. I'm going to have to listen
2: to this expert a little later on the show.
0: I know, right? And then also I'm going to talk to somebody from NORAD, Colonel Kevin Miner works with NORAD and they've been tracking Santa since the 50s. So he's going to talk to me about how it started and what's new for this year. So it's really cool. Great story about how NORAD started tracking Santa. It all kind of happened by accident. Really? Yes.
2: Oh, that's fascinating. Do you remember watching Santa on NORAD when you were little?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think And I grew up in the era where like we didn't really have computers when I was little. And then we got them as I got older. So I think I was really in high school before we had the ability to like access the Internet. (laughs) And even then it wasn't great. But and then as soon as my kids were born, they love it. They love science. They love computers. Um, Like your son, they love looking at the radar and it's kind of all of these things combined. It feels like you're looking at weather, but you're not. You're looking at Santa's traveling around the world. Oh, and how old are your kids? So they're 10 and 6 and still very much into Santa and watching him and thinking about it and the excitement of Christmas. So we're still kind of living in the magical zone of Christmas at my house every year, even though it's not cold here anymore. I mean, in South Carolina, I miss the Maryland cold weather for Christmas time.
2: Yeah. Although, I
0: mean, you know,
2: as our climate is changing, I mean, I, I definitely now within, you know, recent years remember some Christmases being like weirdly warm and like almost like a little humid. So it's just it's crazy. Um, You know, and it's been so long since we had a white Christmas. But yeah, it's definitely a lot warmer for you. So I'll take I'll take the uh, the cooler air that we have here in the mid-Atlantic.
0: Yeah, we've done some beach time on Christmas before. And that's always strange to me. I grew up in Connecticut. So like that's It's very weird. (laughs) Well, Eileen, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Excited to see you every time you host the National Weather Desk. Anything new we should be looking out for from you coming up or anything on News 7 that we should be watching for over the next several weeks?
2: Uh, Well, we have a winter weather special that is going to be airing uh, right before the end of the year. So we'll be sure to, um, you know, post that on our social channels. Um, you can follow me at Eileen Whalen on any social uh, media accounts. I try to stay active, but it's there's so many things to stay on top of. But um, we're going to be releasing that winter weather special at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, our first alert weather team kind of did a little winter weather outlook. And, you know, we're with the El Nino Coming back, it looks like maybe we could have some some better snow. So we'll we'll see, and we'll uh, us snow lovers will keep our fingers crossed for sure. Awesome. Well, have a great Christmas with your son and your husband. Thank you so much. Same to you, Emily.
0: Now here's my interview with Dr. Walt Meyer, senior research scientist at the National Snow and Ice Data Center. Let's talk about the North Pole. So can you tell me yeah. first of all? Where is the North Pole, and does that change?
3: So the geographic North Pole is at 90 degrees north. So it's basically the the top of the world. It's it's the point uh, at which the the Earth spins around, rotates around, um, and and of course up is uh, kind of arbitrary. So when I say up, it's you know relative to our standard <laughs> definitions. Uh, southern hemisphere folks might think a little differently, but. Uh, it's basically as we as we say at uh, the top of the world,
0: and there's the geographical North Pole, but there's also a magnetic North Pole.
3: Yeah, um, so the geographic North Pole is again where the you know, the point around which the Earth spins. So the magnetic pole is where where your compass points to. It's it's basically the where the uh, the magnetic. Uh, flow is, and uh, it doesn't line up exactly with the geographic North Pole where the Earth rotates around. So there's a little bit different. So if you were wanting to go to the geographic North Pole, you don't want to use a compass because you won't actually end up there. You'd be a little bit off from there.
0: What's a little bit off? How far are we talking?
3: Well, it depends. The magnetic North Pole varies uh, and it moves around. um, So it depends, uh, you know, where, when and where you're at it'd be a few hundred miles off from the, uh, the geographic North pole if you followed your compass.
0: Interesting. All right. So let's talk about the spot where the geographic North pole is. Is there any actual land there?
3: No, there is no land. Uh, it's just an ocean. Um, it's an ice covered ocean. So what you would find there uh, is, is what we call sea ice, the ice floating on the ocean, the ice that one from freezing of the, the salty ocean waters. Um, so, you would probably be able to stand on the North Pole, um, although the ice cracks and you get open water. Um, that happens from time to time, even in wintertime. Um, so you could have open water at the North Pole, um, but uh, more than likely you'll be able to have ice there. And, and even in summer, uh, the ice still stays there, um, at least at the moment. The ice has been decreasing up in the Arctic, um, but the North Pole has still remained uh, by and large, ice cover. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, Santa has to do a little bit of magic to uh, to live up at the North Pole. Uh, you can't build a house there. Um, because the other thing is the ice drifts with the winds and the currents. So even if you stand at the North Pole, um, you won't be standing at the North Pole for very long because the winds and the currents are going to pull that ice away from the North Pole um, you don't stay in one place very long at the North Pole, unless you're like Santa that can that can do that.
0: It is magic. All right. so let's say you are standing at the North Pole. What kind of interesting phenomenon might you experience there?
3: Uh, well, it depends on the the time of year. I mean right now it's you're you're just gonna see a lot of darkness. Um, you know, the ice cover pretty uh, pretty remarkable up there. Um, you probably hear crunching of the ice uh, as it moves around, it will crunch in. To each other, you know, it's very tends to be very dry this time of year, especially so. Very crisp air. You'd see a lot of stars um, because it's very clear air. If it's if it is clear, I mean, it can be cloudy up there a lot, but winter it, it often is clear. Um, one thing that you won't see at the North Pole um, that many people people may think about is the aurora, uh, the Northern Lights. Yeah, we think of those as happening up north, and they do. But it happens actually uh in a rain around the north pole so it at the north pole you don't generally see the northern lights it's farther south uh places like alaska or like norway um that you'll see the northern light so during the summertime, of course you get interesting things the sun is out 24 hours um you know from the start of spring to the to the start of fall and so you don't see the sun set, and the sun doesn't move really from east to west. It will circle around you. You, if you stood there, you just see it circling around you, um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, you also get very interesting sun effects in the summertime, where you can you can get little ice crystals in the in the atmosphere that reflect the sunlight, and you get things like what are called sundogs, are little effects or sun pillars around the sun. You can get halos. Um, you can even get like little mini rainbows um, if it reflects the light in a certain way. So you'll get um, not like a full rainbow, but like little strips of, of, uh, of the spectrum of light. Um, so you can see lots of neat things during the summer um, In the winter, not quite as much, uh, but it would still be a pretty interesting place to be. I think.
0: Yeah. What about weather systems? Are there any, can weather systems even operate at <laughs> the North Pole?
3: Oh yes, they, they do. Um, you know, you get into the ice, the ice kind of dampens weather systems. So um, you get a lot of uh, cyclones, uh, even what we call sometimes mini hurricanes, um, pretty strong winds, pretty powerful, not near as big as like your your, your tropical hurricanes, um, but you have really strong winds, but those come in from the sides and really happen because you have this cold air from the ice cover mixing with the warm moist air from like the Atlantic or the Pacific um, that's ice free. But what typically happens is those, those will come in and then they'll dissipate because they lose their energy um, as they don't have any moisture and there's that heat from the ocean. So, it, it tends to be a pretty calm place, especially in the winter. You can still get some systems moving through, more so in the summer when things are more active and there's more energy. Um, but it still snows. Um, it, it oftentimes is very fine, um, kind of uh, crunchy snow that um, you get when it's really cold, um, what we call diamond dust, which is kind of precipitates right out of midair almost. Um, so it it and falls down. So it's it's not as active as what you see, you know, where we live um, in the winter time, but um, you still get weather up there, yeah.
0: Have you been to either one of the poles?
3: Uh, I have not. Um, I've been up in the Arctic a few times. Uh, I've been up in an aircraft where we flew, did some experiments. We got to about 82 degrees north, which is a few hundred miles from the pole, um, um, but not quite there. Uh, but I work with a lot of colleagues that um, have been up to or near the pole. The South Pole is a lot more visited um, because that's on land, and there we actually the U.S. has a station there. And so people usually work there, um, and especially in the summertime, but people even winter over there. The North Pole, like I said, it can't really put a station there. Um, The Russians used to have what they call drifting stations that they would put up near the pole. Um, Of course, they drift away pretty quickly, so they would not be at the pole for very long. There was a a big international expedition just a couple of years ago um, that froze in a ship that drifted across the Arctic from Siberia across to to the Atlantic uh, towards Greenland. It actually, it it drifted through the wintertime. They didn't actually get to the pole. It drifted a little bit south of the pole. Uh, Although they did kind of come out and then sail back in in the summertime and and cruised up. uh, It's an icebreaker getting through the ice and and went to the pole briefly. So that's typically how people get to the pole is with icebreakers to to go up um, and either for research or um, they even have some tourist ships that sometimes go up there, um, generally Russian tourist ships. Um, that will go up there, and then also submarines. Um, the The Navy, the U.S. Navy, and, and British Navy, and, and probably the Russian Navy as well, um, will cruise up under the ice and then break through at the North Pole. So, folks have done that, but it's it's uh, it's pretty rare to, to actually have people at the North Pole.
0: Uh, it's wild to think about though, like time and days, and kind of jumping around, and how time zones, and it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. <laughs>
3: Yeah, okay. all the times come together at the North Pole, so it's you're kind of all times at once in a sense. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I mean, you take a few feet one direction or another, and it's yeah. all yeah. over the place. Are there any animals at the North Pole?
3: There's not a lot of animals up there. You're a long way from land, but there are occasionally polar bears that can be found. They they will roam up that way. Um, it's not too far from the northern tip of Greenland, and the, and the bears live on the ice. Um, and you know, cracks in the ice, seals may be up there. So it's not completely lifeless, but it's um, pretty deserted, uh, except for Santa's workshop, of course. No. What about narwhals? Are there any narwhals? Um, it's probably a little far north for narwhals because um, they do need to breathe and come up through the air. Um, it, it's possible we might see some up there because, like I said, the ice cracks and you get leads. Um, more so during summer, probably, because in the winter, those, those what we call leads, those open water areas start freezing over pretty quickly, so they don't last for very long. The summer you might see some some of those up there, Uh, but they're more south towards like the coast of Canada, Alaska. Yeah.
0: Next up, we'll hear from Colonel Kevin Miner from NORAD. Colonel Kevin Miner, thanks for joining us today to talk about Santa. Everybody wants to hear about Santa and uh, where he's going and where he's been, but I want to get a little background on NORAD too because you guys have been tracking Santa for a long time. Can you tell me how this tradition got started?
1: Yes, thank you, Emily, for having us. Uh, We're happy to talk about Santa any chance we get. Uh, Back in 1955, the first time uh, NORAD got involved with this is actually called uh, Continental Air Defense at the time, so CONAD. Uh, There was a typo in the newspaper for the uh, the phone number to call Santa. And so a child called into the Air Defense Command And the colonel on the phone at that time, realizing the mistake and not wanting to let the child down, uh, pretended to be Santa on the phone with that child that night. Since that time, we've uh, grown our relationship with Santa and we uh, track him and make sure the kids around the world know where he's at uh, on December 24th.
0: What does Nora do the rest of the year? Because I think you guys are famous for tracking Santa, but a little lesser known of all the other important things that you do.
1: Yes. Uh, well, thankfully, we have the, the radars and the satellites and the airplanes to do our job every other day of the year to make sure that all of North America is safe, Canada and the United States, uh, as well as Mexico. And uh, we then use those same tools that we can use to uh, track threats to North America. We use those to track Santa on Christmas Eve.
0: What kind of tools?
1: So we have satellites that are uh, stationed 22,000 miles above the earth and in, uh, in, uh, orbits that Uh, keep them in place so they can see the entire globe. They track uh, infrared, so uh, when uh, Rudolph puts that red nose out there, we can see him coming around the world. And then we also have radars uh, around uh, Alaska and Canada, as well as throughout the United States, that help us keep track of them as well. And then we have fighter aircraft, including F-15s, F-35s, F-22s here in the United States, and F-18s up in uh, Canada, that uh, allow us to uh, get a closer look if we needed to.
0: Okay, so you're tracking him, but it, it kind of sounds like you're keeping him safe too.
1: Yes, uh, th- we don't expect any threats to Santa on Christmas Eve, but we do want to uh, make sure that he's taken care of and he's uh, looking out for any uh, icing that might be in the clouds and bad weather.
0: Okay, so let's talk about his route on Christmas Eve. Where does he normally start? Does he always follow the same sort of track?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, he uh, he's fast, but he's uh, you know he does have limits on him. So he, he, uh, Santa starts, uh, with, with the, uh, as the sun goes down over the Pacific and moves his way across the, uh, the globe uh, as the uh, sun goes down and children go to sleep. He doesn't want to come into the, their uh, houses while they're awake, so uh, he waits for nighttime. So uh, we track him as he starts over in the uh, Pacific Ocean and moves his way around the globe until he uh, makes it to the United States and uh, over into Hawaii at the end.
0: How can we track him at home?
1: So there's many ways uh, you can uh, get in touch with us and uh, see what we're doing. We do have the website, uh, nor uh, as well as uh, you can make phone calls into us as well the uh, website is very neat because you can start right now looking at uh, lots of different information we have on there and games for families uh, throughout the uh, month leading up to christmas but on the uh, night that it happens you'll have those on there and if for the telephone number it's 1-877-466-6723 okay, that's 877 466 six, seven, two, three. And we'll have a call center in here. We get several hundred thousand calls on Christmas Eve. Uh, we have people here waiting to, uh, let people, let the children know where Santa's at.
0: Um, okay. So any insider information as somebody who's kind of in headquarters on Christmas Eve, any, any tips or advice for, um, you know, tracking Santa, but also like giving him his space and letting him do his thing. Right.
1: Well, as I mentioned, uh, at least in my house, I was always told that Santa won't come to the house until the kids are asleep. So uh, Nora Track Santa is a great way for parents to uh, let the children know how close he's getting and to make sure they get in bed in time so they doesn't have to skip the house or come back later and slow, slow his uh, progress down. So uh, I highly recommend using that. Uh, I was uh, actually working shift here in our operations center last Christmas Eve and I was able to uh, track Santa the entire night while the event was going on. So I wasn't receiving phone calls for Track Santa. I was actually doing our our other mission of making sure North America is safe that night. Uh, but it was quite awesome to see the uh, tracking ability and all the people that were interested in where he was at, and what was going on.
0: Every year, NORAD gets more technologically advanced and the tracker gets better. Is there anything new we can expect in 2023?
1: Yes, this year we've decided to add another language. Uh, last year we had English, French, German, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Chinese, and Japanese. This year, for the first time, we're adding Korean Uh, to our website. So we can uh, now have nine languages on there and we try to get bigger and better every year.
0: Is there a way that NORAD is serving children that may have special hearing needs or uh, visual needs or even sensory needs?
1: Uh, There are lots of things on the website to help those with uh, disabilities, but we ask guardians to help with the call-in or with the webpage uh, for those who may need it.
0: Awesome, Colonel Kevin Miner, Merry Christmas and thank you to you and everybody at NORAD for all that you're doing for kids, grownups, and for Santa.
1: Merry Christmas to you as well and to all your listeners.
0: Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you have a weather enthusiast in your life, please share this episode with them. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and you can give me ideas for future episodes. Off the Radar, we'll be taking a little break for the next two weeks to enjoy and relax over the holidays, but I'm working on some amazing shows for 2024 and we'll see you right back here with brand new episodes on January 9th. Special thanks to Dr. Walt Meyer and Colonel Kevin Miner for sharing their expertise today. Also, thanks to Eileen Whalen for joining me earlier in the show, and to my husband Troy for his help with the poem featured at the beginning of the episode. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Happy holidays.